Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. A little slow there. Yeah, I was, there's a, yeah, I was working on a, a joke that uh, tied into the cover of Excalibur number 46, but it wasn't coming to me. So then I just went to the default, and there was a long delay there. It's all staying in, Adam. Okay, gotcha. Uh, this is this is B-Sides. B-Sides. Uh, we're doing uh, Excalibur number 46 first up. You can tell that it's a B-Side because the quality is going to be poor. I thought this Excalibur was great. Well, I mean, our quality. The comic was fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the real Megan on the cover. No, I'm the real Megan on the cover. I thought I was the real Megan also on the cover. There's a bunch of Megans on the cover. And they are all mostly, uh, if not all, Megans that we've seen in the past, right? We've got like the Nightcrawler Megan. We've got the Goblin Princess Megan, who's saying, no, I'm the real Megan. we got Megan. Uh, we got sort of the uh, animalistic with some antennae Megan, whom we've seen before. And then I think on the left side where you kind of have like furry Megan, I'm pretty sure we've seen her before as well. And then there's three in the background that I think we haven't seen. Yeah, I think maybe the one on the back left is one we see in this issue, possibly, and then I don't know about the other two. But yeah, Crisis of Infinite Identities. Uh, do you think that this is a riff on Crisis of Infinite Worlds or whatever that DC thing was? Of course. Okay. Good. And this is a bit of a misleading cover, too, because this is not at all what happens. So mm. I this is just this whole cover is just a joke. Ah, Okay. Well, it is Alan Davis and, and uh, Excalibur. Uh, they do like to do wacky things, and yeah. this fits right in. It's it's funny. Yes. Though I wish all of the other Megans were saying something. Yes, right. They should all be sort of arguing for which one is the real Megan. I, too, am the real Megan. Exactly. Destiny's here for some reason. <laughs> She's the real Megan. So... Yeah, we uh we're gonna start this issue off in Erath, which is where oh my gosh, I forgot his name already. Colin, I think is his real name, but the the dude, the monster dude that we've been sort of following. Kylan. What's that? Kylan. Kylan, thank you. Who we've been following over the last few issues. He's uh, appeared at the ends of a few issues. He's usually in the last two pages, but now it's gonna be the first what is it? Is it two? First many. It's like four. Yeah, it's like five or six pages. Yeah. Well, it's a Kylon on Erath for the first four pages. And then, well, we'll get to there when we get to there. But we're sort of recapping what's happening. We saw last, I think it was last issue, where Kylon is uh, facing off against this uh, reality is Excalibur, which is kind of like monster Spider-Man. Um, is that Black Knight back there? Thor and some other folks. And uh, quickly, Satinine realizes that they're zombies. Right. So if they're zombies, they must be controlled by the bad guy, who is Necrom. Have we met Necrom before? We saw him in the last issue where you pieced together that the guy that uh, Nightcrawler's, whatever his team was called. Yes. Yes. Were, they, they were fighting his invisible ally. Yeah, the N-Men. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll come into play. Anyway, Satinane uh, distracts Necron by shooting at him, figuring that if he doesn't have his full uh, attention on the zombies, they will crumble. And they, in fact, crumble. 
And then she blasts at him and he blasts back at her and his blast is bigger than hers. So she dies and Kai Lun throws his sword and looks like it stabs him in the neck. Yeah, we're basically getting a recap of like how this rebellion is going and it's not going well for Kai Lun and his allies. Uh, and people are dying on both sides. Necrom kind of escapes through like a big big tunnel or chapel thing rather uh or tower thing while Kylon dies in a very uh tragic couple of panels. Yeah, he's um, very upset about that. He's cradling Satnine's uh, uh broken and dying body and, and now that's when, uh, he sees Necrom escaping and he follows him up through a through a tower. He wants that, he wants revenge. Yeah, he's he's very vengeful. And it's immediately, at least I noticed, that you know, we get a faraway shot of Necrom heading into this tower, um, Kylon following after him, and immediately I was like, oh, that's Excalibur's um, tower. I was not. Okay. <laughs> so when I, I knew when he would go through the door that it wouldn't, it, it was going to be somewhere wacky. Yeah. But I did not expect him to burst through into Nightcrawler's bathroom. <laughs> and it says here that no one and we'll have to talk a little bit about how this is all pieced together but it says that no one has set foot in this place for 20,000 years legend tells that it's doorway uh door that it's it is a doorway to worlds beyond and uh so necrom jumps through that door kylan pauses for a moment and then he bursts through the door and instead of it being like some crazy world although it would be to kylan it's uh, Nightcrawler brushing his teeth in the bathroom. We get our title, Colin the Barbarian, which I still hadn't made the connection. What? He's got the sword and everything. I, I was really determined that Colin the Barbarian was going to be another character because this guy already had a name and it was Kai Lun. Oh, and right. I did not, I did not think to myself, boy, oh boy, Kai Lun sure sounds like Colin. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, Alan Davis is the writer, penciler, Mark Farmer is the anchor, Michael Heisler is the letter, uh, Glennis Oliver is the colorist, Terry Cavanaugh is the editor, Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. By the way, Adam, Excalibur was created by Chris Claremont and Alan Davis. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Nightcrawler's leg is still broken, so he's still battered from his fight with, um, with uh, Captain Britain. And we get in the captions underneath Kylon bursting into Nightcrawler's bathroom a... Uh, recalling of Kylon remembers a legend of a blue demon that emerged from the tower that crosses time, spat out an alien curse, and vanished in a burst of flaming brimstone during Satnine's mother's dethroned by Necrom, which is a cut back to Excalibur 2. So I went back to Excalibur 2 to find this. It's Excalibur number one. Excalibur number one. Sorry, the Excalibur number two thing will come later. Yep. Uh, Excalibur number one does feature Nightcrawler going into a door, coming out in the middle of some weird ceremony, and uh, then disappearing. Nightcrawler hears a foreign language. I believe he says Mein Gott or Gotten Himmel or whatever Nightcrawler says. Maybe he even speaks English. Uh, and then he's pulled. You know, he teleports uh, yeah. and then just ends up by to... Megan. And Megan's like, Megan, you got to come over here. And then they walk up there and she's like, it's just a closet, silly. Um, I remember 
And we definitely pointed that out when it happens when we covered uh, Excalibur number one. And at the it time, I was, something like, I wonder if this will ever come back. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> uh, because uh, you know, I think we said we will be looking for when this pays off. And here it is, which is kind of neat, which is kind of which means either Chris Claremont or Alan Davis had this idea of one day, like we want Excalibur's lighthouse to sort of be this multidimensional center point to this other reality or maybe many other realities. Uh, so let's just do this in issue one and we'll tag up on it later. Yeah. And that's great. Cause I was like, what? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it's pretty rare to set something up and have, I mean, we're, probably four years after issue number one was released at least uh and to tag up on it i feel like chris claremont had no intention of ever tagging up on it but Galen davis probably went back to excalibur one and two and was like oh yeah we had these threads and i don't know if he had the solutions for the threads already in his head right maybe partially but yeah he's he's uh he's cleaning up it could be you know we we know that you know Marvel Comics, Marvel Method, and all that sort of stuff. So it's altogether possible that Alan Davis drew all of this stuff with, you know, some insight and conversations with Chris Claremont. And then Chris Claremont came and did all the words. It's also possible that Chris Claremont just wanted weird things to happen to Excalibur, and that they were never maybe supposed to have a payoff. Um, um I would like to think that it's probably somewhere in the middle of all three of those, where Alan Davis wanted to do a thing, didn't really have a resolution in mind. Uh, and now he's like, this is a good time to do it. And yeah. This is he, my resolution. He's taken over the book so he can do whatever he wants. Exactly. And and I'm I'm happy for it. So there's a quick little sparring match between Kai Lun and uh, Nightcrawler's not really sparring so much. He's just kind of dodging around as much as he possibly can. But he gets backed up against a wall. Kai Lun slashes against the wall, cuts through the cane that Nightcrawler has, slices into the uh, tile work behind him in the bathroom. But the knife, or the sword rather, passes uh, harmlessly through Nightcrawler's neck. And we get a very funny panel of Nightcrawler looking left, Nightcrawler looking right. It's like, what the heck? Is is Kitty, like, in the bathroom somehow? Did she phase through the bathroom because she heard a commotion? Well, wh when you see this panel, and it's a really nice cliffhanger because it's the last panel on the page, I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, and then you see the left, right, and you're like, okay, something is up. And when we get some captions. And it says that the blade has a enchantment that it cannot harm somebody of true virtue and pure spirit which is super handy because Kylan immediately is like, oh, I'm going to stop attacking you because you're a good guy. Yeah. Which is like everybody in the Marvel Universe should have that. <laughs> right? <laughs> so Kylan speaks a foreign language, uh, probably his native realities language. Nightcrawler's like, what's, what's going on? English, you speak English, says Kylan. Who are you? Where is this place? I am Nightcrawler. This is Excalibur's lighthouse, England, planet Earth. Widget comes in. And he's like, oh, man, Widget, so good to see you. And obviously, Nightcrawler and us, the audience, are pretty confused. <laughs> Widget says, Colin, friend, safe. Oh, gosh. Oh, golly. Oh, wow. Um, at which point I was like, oh, he is Colin the Barbarian. Okay, <laughs> I get it. Meanwhile, in our B-plot, I guess, Megan and Phoenix are hiking. Uh, Megan's looking for... 
information on the her actual identity and she had received some clues from her foster parents or whatever last issue um so they're following up on that when who should show up but count dracula and frankenstein's monster which i was like well we've met both of them in the in the x-men so this could be them although it's kind of weird well kitty or uh, not Kitty, because she's not here. Megan says, it's like something out of an old uh, horror film, right? Because there's a castle off in the distance. There's lightning and thunder. And Phoenix is like, yeah, all we need now is Dracula and Frankenstein's monster. And that's when they show up. Weird how she just kind of <laughs> said it and they showed up. Yeah, it's almost as if that's not really who they are. Almost. Frankenstein knocks Rachel out temporarily. Mm-hmm. Megan turns into a werewolf but is quickly uh, overtaken by Dracula's, I don't know, hypnotic stare, I guess. What's, there's a term for that when Dracula, I can't remember what it's called. (sighs) The vampire people know what it is. (laughs) It's it's not, you don't, there's a term for it. You're not charming a person. You're, (laughs) I can't remember the word is. Oh, well, but, but yeah, Dracula does that to her. And so she falls to her knees. She's pacified. And they ask her to reveal her true self, but because she is a empathic being who whose true self basically bounces off of whoever's around her, she transforms into Dragon Queen Lady. Goblin Princess, I think. Which is uh, more or less what Dracula and Frankenstein want. And they start arguing, and Frankenstein's like, I found her first. And Dracula says, you can have the other one. And the other one's gone, and Rachel punches Frankenstein, knocking him out, punches the uh, Dracula's giant bat form that he tries to scare her with, but he knocks him out, and he turns into an old man. And Rachel, uh, Megan ch- changes back to Megan, and we see the that both of them have turned into old men. Yeah. Your pathetic illusions don't work on me, Pop. So before... <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, before Phoenix, or before we, the audience, has figured it out, uh, um, Rachel's already figured out that something else is afoot, and it's just two old men for some reason, uh, as Dracula and Frankenstein's monster. And sure enough, they revert back to their old men forms and are laying on the ground. Rachel says that none of these people are showing up on her uh, telepathic radar, so it's like they're not even here. I wonder, none of these... Uh, old codgers possesses any organic or technology technological means of generating illusions or evading my telepathic scans as we approach. So is it that she can detect the old guys, but she couldn't detect the fact that they were monsters? I don't know. I was under the assumption she didn't detect anything. Yeah, it could be either. I'm not sure which. She also doesn't detect something inside of the caravan, right? Yeah, so then they do find this caravan, which is basically a car with a a trailer on it, like an RV trailer. They go in, and there's a a monster in there that looks, I think, how we've seen Megan look in the past. Yeah, kind of, a little bit. Like a skinny Sasquatch, basically. I think that's what we're supposed to think. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think we as the audience are supposed to think that this is her mother, father, brother, sister, some relation. Yeah. Because I feel like in... uh, those old UK Captain Britons when we first met Megan, I think she she, like that. Yeah. didn't she look like this? And wasn't she also chained up a little bit? Yeah. Uh, yeah, she was in prison or something like that. So 
We return our attention to Excalibur's mushroom, and I couldn't actually remember when it turned into a mushroom, but I do remember it happening. I'm just assuming it was TechNet. Yeah. Did this. Yeah, there was some destruction, and I think TechNet rebuilt it all with some yeah. technology advancements. But we get the backstory of how does Colin or Kylun know Widget? And apparently Colin was a mutant, is a mutant, and ran away. Yes. Uh, crime queen vixen heard of my mutant powers, and she had me kidnapped. But her men were out overconfident, and I managed to escape. I hid in a derelict factory. And then we cut back to a scene that we've seen before in issue two of Excalibur. So we went back and reread that. That's the uh, opening first couple of pages of Excalibur 2. Yep. It does feature all this stuff, including uh, Widget saying, Colin is safe. Uh, oh, golly. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. Right. And Widget had just been created the issue prior by Tweedledee or Tweedledum. Right. Out of garbage. So It's kind of cool. Neat uh, that we... So uh, to me, that means that I'm going to guess maybe Alan Davis had this all. An idea. Maybe not this exact idea, but an idea that I want to send somebody through Widget. We'll display some of his powers. It'll be a question mark. Like, what happened? Is Widget evil? Is he good? Uh... And then we'll come back and one day do something. And here he is doing it. In issue two, we do see that he looks like a normal little boy, except he has cat eyes. Yes. Apparently he has grown up into a full-fledged cat man. Yes. He's neat. He looks different. And then the next page, uh, we sort of go through. He walks through the portal. He ends up on E-Wrath, I guess grows to manhood. And he is able, I don't know why he turns purple. I think that's just the his natural mutant like form as he grows up. Okay, sure that could be. Uh and then he his little emblem on his chest or his uh family totem or whatever is basically a simple drawing of Widget. Yeah. So that's that's kind of neat. That's cool. And then uh Necrom and all this stuff. He does he doesn't he marry Satinine? Hmm. Does he just pledge her Okay, then when I came of age, I chose the image of Widget as my totem and pledged my heart to Queen's daughter, the Princess Satinine. We were so happy, but it was not destined to last. Yeah, so I guess they're kind of married. They're they're a couple. They are going to get married or they eventually got married, but she died. Adding to the tragedy of her dying in the first couple of pages. Right. Although it's kind of over it. (laughs) Yeah. It could come back later. Yeah, it'll, it'll be sad. I'm sure. Nightcrawler shows him the uh, statue that China Dow created in the last issue of the invisible monster that they had just fought. And uh, Kylon, Colin, Kylon recognizes it as a, uh, as the, the, the Necrom's slave creature. Yeah. Um, Widget is looking at a, uh, at a little model robot from, from uh oh crap what was that film uh lost in space lost in no that's that was the tv show yeah but it's the same robot isn't it Uh, oh it's a different robot no oh you're right it is uh there's there's two robots robbie the robot is the one from lost in space the other one is not robbie the robot it's the same robot that was also featured in gremlins 
It's the the designer designed uh, both of them, I believe. Um, one was for the TV show, one was for this movie, which predates Star Trek and looks like Star Trek. And uh, if you've never seen it, it's worth a watch just for the fact that it looks like Star Trek. But I can't remember what it's called, so it's not helpful. It has Leslie Nielsen in it. So if I do a quick Leslie Nielsen search on IMDb. Oh my gosh, you're going to come up with 700 movies. But it's like one of his earliest roles, so I'll just scroll to the bottom. Here we go. It's going to be amazing. We got Gort. Uh, That robot is Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet. Okay. I don't know. Let's see. Well, Lost in in Space Robot. What was his name? Uh, B9? Really? That's it? The robot in the TV series Lost in Space is a fictional character na- named Model B9. Oh, that's lame. Uh, <laughs> now, I don't know if that's the Netflix remake or if it's the original. But to me, all of those classic robots, they're all Robbie the Robot. Uh, robot Model B9 is also known simply as the robot. Oh, okay. So, Well, I've never seen Lost in Space, to be honest, so uh, I should have guessed that. Robbie the robot was the one from Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet, I see. I couldn't remember it because I wanted to say Forbidden Zone, which is another weird old movie. Uh, for but Forbidden Planet is from 1956, and uh, it's awesome if you haven't seen it. I've never seen it. You should definitely check it out. It's uh, like I said, it predates Star Star Trek, and uh, Star Trek clearly was ripping off its style. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, what else did you have to go with? Yeah. Exactly. So it's pretty. It's a pretty neat old movie, 1956. It's got Leslie Nielsen in a serious role. I don't know if I can handle that. It's got Robbie the robot, which is a pretty cool robot. All right. Oh, he's got Leslie Nielsen. Even well, in the colorized poster, has brown hair. I'm assuming the movie's in black and white. No, it's in color. Oh, interesting. It is a 1956 color film. All right. Well, anyhow. Uh, Nightcrawler takes Kylan to TechNet and talks about how, yeah, they, they, they've seen Necrom and, uh, one of the guys, Joy Boy is missing. There is a little bit of explanation about how, uh, Kylan's only been gone for a month earth time, but he grew up in, uh, Erath time. And similarly, uh, Necrom just went back to Earth in Kylon's mind, but he actually materialized, let's see, what did he say, uh, a month ago. Oh, no, wait. Sorry. Kylon has been gone from Earth for a year, but an entire lifetime. Yes, exactly. Time flows differently for everybody. That's kind of cool. I was like, it was uh it sort of explains how Nightcrawler and Kylon were dealing with the same Necrom. It's uh he sort of went back in time in our time. That's neat. Yeah. Neat, neat little concept. Yeah. Playing around with space time continuum stuff. Kylon assumes the Joy Boy is probably being made a slave by uh Necrom. That sounds about right. Back in Germany, uh, Phoenix and Megan, they go into the trailer, and they're going to talk to the monster. Although, Phoenix can't detect it with her psychic probes. I can see the thing, but it's invisible to my psychic probes. It must be an illusion. 
No, he is so kind and beautiful. The lights. And uh, the being lets uh, Rachel see, I guess, his reality, sort of. And it's all glowy. And it's uh, and it reminded me very much of something that we already covered. And I think that's on purpose because Alan Davis did that, too. Uh, remember Wolverine Bloodlust? Uh, no. It's the one where Wolverine meets people much like this and uh, ends up hunting down some humans for them or something. I vaguely remember that. Was there a scene like this? Yes. Okay. Then where yes, I'm, I'm sure. Wolverine shows is shown the reality of the... I don't know if... I, I should have gone back and looked, but I'm assuming the people's name are the same. Right. It's a similar design. I think they were in the kind of Wendigo-ish sort of creatures. Yeah. In that. But, and, this, uh, and this guy, in his Earth form, sort of has a Wendigo-ish form. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure this is a purposeful tie-in to that, although they never they never bring it up. Which is great. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Don't need to spell everything out for us. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, basically, this is, this is Megan's... Uh, real form, which is kind of like this glowy creature with big hair, lots and lots of six foot long hair. It's so much hair. We get a little bit of background. Um, I don't know how important or interesting it was, but basically the guy says, uh, I kind of saw that you were going for a search for your family and I peppered the trail with leads to take you to help me mm-hmm. um so you actually haven't been searching for your family this whole time but hey you found out what you actually look like so that's kind of cool yeah but uh i'm uh and he t- gives him his backstory which is how humans suck yep um and this is pretty similar to that wolverine story though right like a little bit yeah they're in the snow and but this looks like it's older times right because you have all these people with swords and big billowy pants and treasures and stuff like that yep and uh, the the people that have taken him prisoner end up killing themselves for the treasure and uh it makes him very sad and they realize that he's dying and he says there's can you just take me outside so i can see the sky one last time and they do and he lies down and says thank you and it's very he's very happy he's got a very satisfied expression on his face free at last it's a good capture a good rendering of alan davis there to show uh, like total tranquility yeah he he turns into dust floats away and so they head off and uh megan's like uh or phoenix or rachel's like hey why are you why are you going back to that that blonde pers- persona you know know what you look like why don't you just say like that and she's like eh, I don't know. everybody's used to seeing me like this and uh, uh this is how i choose to be seen so so let's let's yeah let's go with this now i always thought that this form was like the most appealing to captain britain and that's why she chose it but maybe she got used to it yeah maybe yeah anyways um Rachel can't activate the Phoenix Force for some reason. Resisting using it has still been really tough. Was there a reason for that? Yeah, because uh, this is another thing that the guy sort of talked about. Uh, the what is he? He's like a, the Nuri or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the Windigo-esque creature explained that 
Phoenix is getting back to her true self by resisting the Phoenix Force, which she first learned when she sort of shut it off when they were visiting Megan's surrogate family. Oh, right, 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 right. So right. it's like a, it's a thread that's been going going for I think the past two or three issues. And if if memory serves, she's like, I never truly saw people. I was always looking for psychic impressions and and trying to get a, a sense of what their motivations were. So by not using this, I have to rely on other senses. Something like that. Something like that. And she says, but from what the Nuri said, it's paying off. My memory has started to heal. So she's becoming, getting back to her old self that she has been blocked off for so long. Which self is that? Like, like well, pre- we don't know. I guess we've never seen that self. Oh, okay. I would imagine. Yeah. I'm kind of w- curious if that's like pre-body shop or pre-time travel. But well, I guess we'll find out. Well, it's it's related to the Phoenix Force, so... It's got to be pre-time travel. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Megan's like, Rachel, we forgot about the brothers. And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Without the Nuri, the magic, and they're just a couple of old men um, to get a good taste of reality. Back at the Excalibur Mushroom. They are uh, under attack, I guess. And everybody runs down to see what's going on. And for some reason, Widget built himself a body, which, okay. (laughs) <laughs> he done grown himself a body. He's got one leg that's bigger than the other or shorter than the other, and he's walking in circles, and that's what's making all this racket. You should not make fun of Widget. He is my friend, says Colin. They mean no harm. They are just relieved that this particular emergency was a false alarm. We have little cause to laugh these days. We never know what is going to happen next. And an explosion, I guess, happens. A bavam. We get a bunch of silhouettes flying, which I was sad that we didn't get to see Nightcrawler's cast silhouette. Yeah, and yeah, it's an explosion. And then the next page, the last page of the issue is a full page spread of like a big giant bug monster. Oh, no, this is where I came in. I don't understand what that means. I don't know. It's probably another thing that we've seen before. Mm. Hmm. Next issue, come one. And all to the ugly, bug-eyed monster ball. Oh, maybe we're going to go to where Nightcrawler went that one time. Or it's something completely unrelated. I'm sure whatever happens, we will get some sort of caption telling us what it's from. They're pretty good about that. Um, yeah. Reference to this character in the, in the internet. This character is not listed. So, nope. <laughs> well, that that, that oh, mysterious character. <laughs> we'll find out this next the, issue. This is the first saying. appearance of mysterious character. He's one of my favorites, you know. Oh yeah. So that will take us over to X Force number six. It's another X Force, everybody! Yay! Uh, this one was better than the last one. It was. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> I'll give you that. That's not saying a lot. Um, not a lot happens in this issue, but it's kind of like... Kind of better that way? Right. Sort of tying up some things that have happened, setting some things up that will happen. So it's a nice, I don't know, in between. We're, we're building a little character development, which is which is fine. Um, we get, we see uh, Strife here, and uh, eventually he pulls his helmet off, and we see that he looks exactly like... Um, Cable, but I think we've seen that before, haven't we? Yeah, 
we've seen that before. But this this again sets it up as like this like massive reveal because it takes forever for him to take his helmet off. He's there's like everybody's laughing at me, and that's what I'm setting everybody up to do. And it's like I this this setup doesn't exist. You're you're setting up something that isn't there. Yeah. Nobody's laughing at you because this is like the second time we've seen you. Nobody knows who you are. Um, but I, whatever. Yeah. So that's what we're meant to believe is that everybody's laughing at him and that that's part of his plan, that he's going to continue failing until everybody completely forgets about him. And then he's going to be the last one laughing. <laughs> it, in this uh, this spread of all of these folks here, a um, couple call outs. First, Cable, Fitzroy, and uh, Professor X all have the same mouth. <laughs> Gideon's um, mouth is a little bit different. And uh, Bishop, by the way, Bishop's here. So I don't know if, um, uh, and I guess release-wise, like actual real-time release, did this come out alongside 281, 282, or do we not know or care? I'm assuming that uh, this came out at, well, I'm in... This came out in January of 92. So this probably came out alongside Uncanny X-Men 284. I'm just going to guess. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, it's not not unheard of for characters to accidentally get introduced in kind of like not their book. But this isn't that. No. This is uh, probably Fabian Nicieza going like, oh, let's, let's have... Bishop, this brand new character in our issue, and Strife is going to know all about him, making him all that much more interesting. Right. And then who's the guy that has an M, is a white guy with an M over his eye and like a little... I'm assuming that's one of Bishop's buddies. Okay. Yeah. When Bishop eventually shows up, he will have some buddies. I don't know why they get panels but aren't actually name-checked. Right. Everybody but him, I think, is name-checked. Right. Strife doesn't know who that is. And so, yes, he's like, soon the world will know my power or something like that. But meanwhile, <laughs> below the uh, streets, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants led by Toad and, and a diabolically smiling blob uh, have a meeting with Mask and the Morlock Remnants. And the idea here is to team up. And there's a lot of negotiation, uh, but eventually they settle on... We will go get Feral for you, and that will prove our loyalty or our commitment, and then you will join the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And they're like, okay. Apparently there's some sort of anger about Feral having escaped the Morlocks. I don't know what she did. Yeah, and there's this other Feral. about it before. There's this other Feral creature, and she's the one that's just like, we got to kill Feral. So there's obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but it seems to me that there's some relation here. Mask also has a crazy smile. Yes, and so does Toad. Toad's brotherhood is Sauron, who we saw in the last issue, who looks, I like this front, like Rob Liefeld's front-on look of Sauron. It's pretty fun. Yeah, no, I I think that's great. A lot. Um, Then we got Blob, we got Pyro, and then we have a new character, Fantasia. (laughs) It's just, it's like another Rob Liefeld thing. Yeah, she kind of looks like, in my opinion, kind of looks like a Destiny clone. She's got a, a mask that covers the majority of her face. There are some eye slits there. I don't know that we know what her powers are. Maybe it's illusion-based. Speaking of clones, I feel like, I hope this gets 
retconned that this isn't Toad because Toad is so out of character. Yes, I agree. A mastermind, and that's just not who he is. Maybe it is mastermind. That could be. Mm, I don't know, but it is out of of character. Uh, We got our title, which is Under the Gun, which has a little gun inside of gun, which is, I guess, kind of neat. I didn't even notice that. Sure, that's fine. Uh, Domino and Cable are taking a bath together in what's got to be the world's largest bathtub. (laughs) Um, We're meant to believe that Domino and Cable are naked. And I think Cable is naked, but Domino's wearing a bathing suit. Um, They talk about, I I think they just did it sort of thing. Well, it looks like they, they had a workout and then they did it. She and says, now they're I, the I'm getting too old for these kind of workouts. And she Cable says, you flatter me. So clearly there was some sort of kinky going on there. I was talking about the danger room sequence. Oh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we get some weird, I don't know, this panel of Domino talking is weird. <laughs> I don't know if she's supposed to be sexy in here or what's going on. Uh, it's, Maybe the bath with the water is just too hot. <laughs> it she looks like she's in pain. It could be a couple of different things. She's in the throes of ecstasy, number one. Number two, it's such a relaxing bath and she's so relaxed. Uh, or, yeah, she's being hurt. I don't know. It's, it is – um, I don't know what Rob Liefeld was going for here. I never do. Um, <laughs> She asks Cable a couple questions. What do you think about – what do you think if the kids knew that you were getting your gun, guns from AIM? And Cable says, I don't really care. Uh, but they might, she says. And that's when she see, we see she's wearing a bathing suit. So I'm not sure why we weren't – I mean, I guess it was titillating to think that she wasn't. So Rob Liefeld playing with expectations there maybe? I don't know. Anyway, um, she says, when are you going to reveal your – backstory basically to them yeah and i think at this point fabian nicieza and maybe ram Liefeld also have an idea that cable is from the future because there's a line where cable says advanced idea mechanics creates weapons that are as close to anything i'm accustomed to as likely to find here and now that is and i feel like that's the first reference to him being a time traveler spoilers yeah and isn't Fabian Nicesia writing the whole... Um, he does all the words. Well, isn't he doing the whole bishop thing, too? No, that's uh, John Byrne and Wills Portacio. Oh, that's right. Fabian Nicieza is also writing New Warriors. Oh, and then there's an AIM connection in there. That's, yeah. yeah. Which we'll get to when we get to. But, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. So, I think up until this issue... Uh, I believe that they thought that Bishop was, or not Bishop, uh, Cable was just this guy that's been around for everybody, or forever. Everybody knows him. He knows everything about everybody. But now they're like, hmm, maybe he should be a time traveler. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if they, when they tapped on that, they realized that, oh, we're going to make him Nate Summers too. Hasn't, he's been referred to as Nate in the past though, right? Because she also says, Nate, you got to do a thing. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think he has been referred to as Nate before. So yeah, this is probably them being all clever, like, oh, you know who else's name is Nathan? Well, how would that work? He's too old. Time travel. Whoa, you blew my mind. Nah, yeah, because uh, uh, Scott and Gene sent 
Nathan to the future where he would have a chance of being healed by his uh, whatever yeah. transmode virus or whatever virus he ended up acquiring. Yeah. So there you go. They're they're piecing it together. I think uh, so. Cannonball and Boom Boom. Actually, Boom Boom, I should say. Wait, but, wait, wait, oh. wait, before we get there, uh, Cable says they're not ready to know anything about my past. And we get this terrible image of Cable's neck up where he just has the longest neck ever. Yeah. <laughs> Because Rob Liefeld didn't feel like drawing his shoulders this day, so it just looks terrible. Yes. Does he say? Does he say past with quotes or anything? I don't think so. Where does he say they're not ready to know about my past? Oh, uh, let's see. Oh, he says I'll tell them when I think they're ready. Let's drop it, okay? And that's where he's got his weird neck. Yeah. Okay. I thought I saw something where past was in quotes, but i might have just made that up too anyways you have any further thought to telling them the truth about your past nah nah boom boom does not care for feral i i guess feral cut uh, sam open at some point i don't remember that there was maybe a training exercise where feral took it a little too far Uh, i vaguely remember that but cannonball's Uh, like hey it's it's cool don't worry about it you know i don't like this Uh, this is weird um I don't know why, but this I, I like Boom Boom gets in Farrell's face and is like, "We don't like you," and then Sam like just leaves. <laughs> yeah. Just like, hey, Sam, wait up! You're you're supposed to have my back in these situations. Right. That's kind of weird. And then Farrell's like, "Ooh, big, big, big mistake!" Farrell screams. Yeah, which is just like, come on. And you'll your- find out why real soon. Which great. That's I guess internal drama. Is what we're going yeah. for. Uh, it's just, it's so bad though. Um, Shatterstar and Warpath and Sirens also there are doing uh, some kind of fighting. And we get to learn a little bit about Warpath and and uh, Shatterstar's kind of ideologies. Or as Shatterstar does a lot of stuff for show. At some point, uh, Warpath says, "Put the swords down, Shatter now." And then I look at the picture and I'm like, he's holding sticks. <laughs> yeah, that or they're like tiny swords. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but those aren't swords. I don't know what's supposed to be happening here. He and def- also, they're definitely sticks. Jar on very badly. Um, they kind of meld into the sticks. Yeah. It's he's, Rob Liefeld's not interested in drawing fingers. No. And I think the idea behind this whole scene is that Warpath is going to fight like he means it, and Shatterstar is going to have to fight back, evade, or whatever. Well, Shatterstar keeps making Warpath more and more angry, and and Shatterstar kind of likes that uh, Warpath is hitting him with all his everything he's got. There are a lot of tiny feet on these pages. I just realized. Oh yeah, there these are so these feet are so tiny in the panel where uh, Shatterstar is dodging one of. Warpath's punches he's got the its feet are like ridiculously tiny i think he's going for a perspective shot where his legs are flung far in front of his body so away from us where his butt is basically the closest thing to us but it doesn't work because his thighs are as big or bigger than his butt actually is so it's like where is where are all of these body parts going i mean it works fine until you get to the feet <laughs> yeah um, now, to the tiniest little feet, Rob Liefeld's credit on the next page where Shatterstar does like a big flying sidekick at Warpath. That's a good boot. It's a good yeah. foot. 
He's got regular sized feet, so he doesn't have tiny feet. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, they're kind of uh, guessing about each other's skills and it's like, hey, uh, you're you're a showboat. And I like that. And then he punches him. And he's like, that's vid. What a blow. Yeah. The stinging in my jaw. would hazard you are stronger now than when we first met. Could be. <laughs> and after that fighting, uh, it turns, well, Siren's been here the whole time. Um, Blob and Pyro have captured her. Because they just showed up and they're like, how did you know we were here? And they're like, oh, we we have our connections. We knew that you're at the Sentinel base. There's a lot of things we know about you guys. They, they said the Morlocks know a lot of stuff about you. Yeah, the and Morlocks are well informed. A couple weird things in the top panel. We just get the uh, Shatterstar from the back where he just looks like a baseball mitt. It's because of his weird headpiece. But, yep, he looks like a big baseball mitt. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it's really weird that Blob and Pyro show up and uh, and Warpath tells Shatterstar who they are. Uh, Blob and Pyro, former Freedom Force. The fat one is immovable. He's basically giving him the files. Yeah. The fat one is immovable, enhanced strength. The twerp is pyrokinetic, controls fire because Shatterstar, Shatterstar doesn't know these people. But suddenly in the next panel... Uh, Sauron and uh, uh, Toad. Toad, thank you, are also there. You could argue that when we see Blob and Pyro capturing Siren, just off panel and just to the left of Blob is where Sauron and Toad are. But why doesn't, I mean, assume, I'm assuming like Warpath saw them. <laughs> well, oh, 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 oh. I see what you're saying because he should be introducing all four of them rather than Cause, just cause later saw later like War, Shatterstar literally says when Sauron picks him up Warpath neglected to inform me about you creature because he was off panel. <laughs> yes, that's ridiculous. Yes. Uh, Fabian Nesesia probably could have scripted this a little bit better instead of yeah. uh, Warpath neglected to inform me about you creature given like, oh, Zounds, this creature, he flies. I don't know anything else. Yeah. Um and so yeah, uh Sauron pulls Shatterstar up. Uh, I think Sir Siren has she flipped over um Pyro, so I guess she and Warpath are loose and the issue ends. I'm surprised they don't t they didn't tell you I eat losers like you with a pint of Guinness every day. Take them down, boys. I'm Irish. So I make a Scott or I make a, a Guinness reference. Didn't she make another Guinness reference earlier? Probably. Oh, no. Go back to my makeshift pub and have a pint. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. It's still, yeah, same thing. But she doesn't specifically say Guinness. I think it's inferred if you're in Ireland and somebody says, you want to go to the pub for a point? You're right. absolutely having a Guinness. <laughs> uh, Guinness is actually better over there. That's what I've heard. Um, yeah, there's we get another cool shot of uh, Sauron. On the last page, which I, again, it's a, it's kind of a frontal, mm -hmm. which is got to give credit where credit's due. He draws a good Sauron when it's just his face. I bet you if instead of giving him all of these books to draw all of the characters, if they just had him draw the monsters or the non-human characters, I think he would have done really well. Than like a monster book? I don't know. Something. Something where there's very little humans for him to worry about. And I think the same 
it goes for Todd McFarlane based on his run in Spider-Man. Yeah, his humans were always weird. Draw the villains. Draw these crazy, uh, monstrous villains. But let somebody else do the humans. Let John Byrne do the humans. There you go. Somebody who doesn't... I don't know. Todd McFarlane's uh, humans were very stylized. And I wonder if that's just because he liked creating ridiculous detail kind of characters of people yeah. or if just didn't like drawing people normal it didn't feel it was like i'm not going to waste my time i'm not very good at it so i'm going to create a crazy or maybe it was just i mean he put so much detail in him he's got to be able to draw a normal person probably i think he probably enjoyed drawing stylized uh crazy people yeah i mean the, the character that comes to my mind is that the big fat police officer eating a yeah. donut in one of the spider-man comics yep and there's just so much detail on his face and he doesn't look like a real human but you you get the idea that this is a big fat police officer eating a, a donut yeah um so he, he has a consistent style to his humans <laughs> yeah anyway yeah like you said uh toad is calling them by their first names which is kind of interesting frederick saint john if you would please Show these whelps what it means to confront the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So they don't even really fight in this issue. Not really. Um, so it's kind of not even a cliffhanger. No, it just kind of ends in the middle. Like, they're getting ready to fight, basically. So next issue is probably going to be not so great. Yeah, it's going to be a fighting issue, I'm sure. It's going to be a fighting issue, and Cable's probably going to kill somebody, because that's, like, what they're doing lately. Yeah. Oh, no, he killed Sauron or something. Yeah. Or we he killed Toad, but it was actually an imposter. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> well, that takes that us an explanation for why Toad is like this. Right. That takes us over to New Warriors number nineteen, which features Gideon. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have to cover this in no. full detail, but like we do get some more details about Gideon than we've ever gotten before from X Force. We we learn that his mutant power is basically to uh, absorb and redirect other people's powers. They don't have to be mutants. And uh, he's able to use some of the new warriors' powers against them with even better skill than they have. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much it. That's all. That's the only real takeaway. Yeah. Um, there's an aim connection in here. Um, I guess Gideon... Works for AIM. There is a reference to the four-part annuals that didn't didn't wasn't AIM a part of. I don't. Uh, I don't remember those annuals. Uh, it was the one with um, the the guy and the 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 kid who got really fat as he kept absorbing. Oh things. yeah. And then the person behind him, and uh, there was an aim, also, there was an AIM connection in those. Yeah. Well, they're they're. On page four or three, I think, uh, Night Thrasher says uh, that company, oh, yeah. Ofra Industries, was involved in a recent skirmish with Proteus. I don't even remember Proteus being in it. So I knew they weren't really a legitimate corporation. If Gideon was the primary backer behind advanced idea mechanics, Proteus operation. So the whole thing was an AIM thing. Yeah, I don't and, think they mean our Proteus. Like uh, that room of people with that were mysterious people, I guess. Yeah. He still has ties to the Taylor Foundation. The Taylor Foundation, if you don't know, 
is uh, Night Thresher's family. Well, his family's dead, I think, because he's Batman. Yeah. But uh, his foundation, I guess. His last name is Taylor. I think it's Dwayne Taylor. The issue in and of itself is, is kind of it's kind of fun, right? I mean, we start off with basically all the new warriors being captured by Gideon. Uh, and then he kind of, like you said, he goes through each one of the new warriors and uses their powers against them. Um, but then through that, we also get each character's perspective for how they ended up here, um, which is, I don't know, it's kind of neat. There's a yeah. there's some radical snowboarding that happens in the issue. There is, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the theme of the month here is uh, baths because Gideon's in his jacuzzi when he gets attacked. Because uh, remember, Gideon's super rich. Yeah, and he's uh, cool as a cucumber in this battle, too. He never, like, loses his edge Mm-mm. or his cool. And uh, he pretty much stays on top of uh, the New Warriors pretty much the whole time. Yep. And, I don't know, next issue, there'll be something more that happens with the New Warriors and Gideon. But he's round, soundly and roundly beaten the New Warriors. It ends with him like, I'm going to tell you something. And so I'm imagining maybe he won't even be in the next issue. It'll just be sort of oh. start their reaction where he's just like, whoa, I can't believe what he told us. I could be wrong. Now he let's could. escape and do other things. <laughs> right. <laughs> he could he could still be in it. I don't know. If he is, maybe we'll mention it. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, I don't know how this show works anymore. I don't either. I, the main takeaways is we learn what Gideon's powers are. Um, he's got a tie to aim and there was a reference to Excalibur, not Excalibur, X-Force. Yes. Um, and that's about it. Uh, Namor 22. Again, oh. we're not going to cover. <laughs> it just feels Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine's in the last page and he's been taken over by plant man, plant monsters. Um, eventually I think he was only in one page in the last issue too. So I'm assuming they're building up to, something but we learn in this issue that the plant monsters that namor is dealing with uh can take over people and use them as slaves so i'm assuming that's what we're leading up to with wolverine since the plant monsters also have him you heard it here first folks yeah i uh i just skimmed through looking for wolverine and found him on the last page and i was like okay he's he's on a plant he's a he's been taken over by a bunch of plants yep i'm sure there'll be more next issue or not Marvel Comics presents number 85, covering the Firestorm and Beast stories this time round. Uh, Firestorm, we get... Firestar, Fire, even. Firestar versus... Who is Firestorm? Is that a DC character? I'm sure there is a character across comics named Firestorm. Uh, Firestar fights the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a neat... Um, parallel between like when we first met her she was being courted heavily and telepathically by the white queen and she's like i remember that and i never want that to happen to me again uh because she sees mystique manipulating her and trying to get her i don't know what mystique oh that's right um they're trying to get her to register for the um mutant um registration act and she doesn't want to do it so this is this is pre to what we're covering now. The, these are uh, Freedom Force, Blob, um, Pyro, and Mystique. Yeah. And there's a, I don't know, a neat little scene where Mystique uh, is her father for a minute. It's like, oh, you, you got to help me. 
you got to register. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's like, you're not my dad. Yeah. It's, it's well done. Um, although it's, it only lasts for a couple of panels, but yeah, Firestar figures it out very quickly. Um, it turns out that, so the, the thread of this story is that, uh, Firestar's dad in the hospital and he needs a new lung or something, or maybe a, some new organ. And so the, some company reaches out to Firestar and says, we can get you that organ, but you have to capture Mystique for us. Mm. But she doesn't reveal, realize yet that the company is nefarious. And we see how nefarious they are in this issue where they break into some random family's uh, house and they're basically going to steal a donor uh, organ for her father. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty awful. There's a couple of jokes where uh, Blob keeps getting knocked down further and further into a hole. <laughs> yep. That was fun. Yeah, he climbs out and then he gets knocked back in. It's good stuff. Then there's a, a beast story here where we start in the classic times. They have their blue and yellow togs. Iceman is still snow-covered and not ice-covered. And it turns out the professor... Due to an incident, I guess, had mind-wiped Beast's friend, um, and he just found out about it, and he's really mad. Yeah, it's kind of... I mean, did we know that the professor did this? Because I, I know we went back to Beast's family before. Did they... Had we seen... <sighs> forgot about... If we have seen this, then we forgot about it, because we went through... There's been multiple tellings of all five students' origin. There was uh, the classic tellings way back when when we'd have like 18 pages of the comic then five pages of their origin and then did we ever cover um gosh what was it called it was like a four or five part mini series called like it wasn't called x-men origins but it it was basically five stories from before each x-men became an x-man i don't know oh my gosh what year does that come out because maybe we haven't covered it yet uh, hang on, X. We did. It was called Children of the Atom. I've read it, so but I can't remember if I read it for this or if I just read it. I don't think we covered it in this. It it came out in 1999 through 2000. Um, it features you know Angel as the avenging angel. Um, so. I don't remember this story happening in the pages of that, but who knows? Maybe it does. Maybe maybe it all comes back. And the only reason I read it is because uh, it was drawn by Steve Rude, and I met him once. Oh yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't he do some other comic that you liked or something? He did Nexus, and the only reason I liked it is because I met him and he gave me free issues of Nexus. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he he autographed them for me, uh, and I must still have them. Oh, and because of his connections into comics, I was able to get a Stan Lee autograph. Uh, He was at a comic book shop. This is back in the like 1988, 89. uh, And it was during a school day, so I couldn't go. Um, But uh, I knew like the woman he was seeing through my dad and she she was like encouraging and supportive of like, oh, comic books, they're awesome and you should continue all of that stuff. And I like to draw at the time. And um, so she 
was able to get me Stanley's autograph and it said to like to Jolly Jeremy to three J's. I don't remember what it was to Jolly Jeremy, whatever. Uh, keep drawing or something like that. Stan, your pal Stanley or something like that. Excelsior probably. Um, and I, I had that in a poly bag and I had it in my box of comic books and I don't know, four, five, six, seven, eight years ago, I was like, I should, I should pull that autograph out and I should like, I should frame it or something and like put, hang it on the wall. Uh, and I can't find it. <laughs> I went through every comic book, um, you know, cause I had it in its own poly bag so I figured, well, it's just got to be between two comic books, and I went through every single comic book I have, and and I can't, I can't find it. Mm. So now my only hope is that maybe I forgot, and I I actually put it between the pages of a comic book, and it's somehow still there. But I don't have the time or energy to get all of the comic books out and go through every single page to see if I can find that autograph. Or you put it somewhere else, and you just don't remember. If I put it somewhere else, and I don't remember, then it is is gone it is gone gone but my only hope is that i left it with the comics and it's just it's just in there somewhere because i as i imagine you like you have many 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 boxes of comic books yes so many boxes (laughs) and not that i've moved for many years but the last time i moved i was like oh my god why do i have all these comic books i recently well not recently maybe Maybe a decade or so ago, I switched from long boxes to short boxes because even though there's more, they're much easier to carry. I switched well for for years and years and years. I did not have my comics boarded; they were just bagged. So I went through and I bagged and boarded them, which adds a ton of bulk to the comic books. So I had expanded out to I don't know two or three or four. I don't remember how many long boxes, but. Yeah, then I think I had to move them around one day in the basement. I was like, well, this is stupid. So then I bought a bunch of short boxes. So now I'm between like, I don't know, eight short boxes and two long boxes. And I just haven't pulled the trigger to do the rest in short boxes. And maybe I need to do that. And then I would be able to find that um, that that autograph. There you go. So that's my Steve Rude story, which has no relevance to this. Or could. Maybe it does. Recently upgraded. Uh, anything that was priced over $20, I put in a... Uh, like an acid oh. mm-hmm. backboard and a mylar bag um, and in doing so going through all of my comics I learned that I had either sold or got rid of a lot of things that I don't remember mm. or that they just disappeared so I'm missing like a ton of stuff and then there's stuff that I remember selling that I regret like all those early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issues oh man no, I, that are worth more than I sold them for the only thing I I sold that I regret in the early days of eBay, I don't know why I did it, but I threw um whatever issue of X Men uh Phoenix first appears, like X Men one oh one or whatever issue that was. It was not a great um quality version of it. In fact, somehow it had like um like a a, a mailer, like you know, like the post office stamps a, a letter. Mm-hmm. Like that was stamped on the cover. <laughs> so I don't know if it was like a subscription. That's just how they came was just like the raw comic book and people just stamped it. But yeah, there was like a mail stamp. Like, so it wasn't in great condition, but you know, still it's kind of wish I still had that. Yeah. Um, and then the other ones I sold uh, that I don't, I don't really care about. It was like the first Batman versus predator, the prestige book versions. Um, I don't miss those, but 
I would have rather not gotten the five dollars or whatever I got for <laughs> them, and I'd rather just have those. But yeah, whatever. But I didn't sell any anything heartbreaking like original ticks or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or, or anything like that. Yeah, it was it was in the period where Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was they were having a lull. Okay. And they're not like right now. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is nuts. I'm sure. Um, but there was there was a brief period between when they were nuts and now where they kind of had a lull. And I was I guess I must have thought, ah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is done with. I can get rid of these. I I have like you know paperback copies of all the stories, so I can always read it. But yeah, now now they're back. Yeah, worth more than ever. Yeah. More than I paid for them, hundreds of dollars more than I was uh, paid for them. Yeah. Well, anyways, this beast story: um, the professor mind wiped somebody. To, I, I to, feel like he might mind wipe his whole like everybody, and I think the implication is that he does this about every with everybody. So, Iceman's family were mind wiped. Be uh, Beast family, Cyclops family, Angel's family, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, there's this one line. It's like, I was willing to leave my home and come here to save the world, but please give her back to me. So I feel like it's just his his girlfriend or friend. But, like, I, I don't think that the professor mind-wiped these characters out of their parents' existence. I, uh, my whole life is gone, but he's maybe he's just being a kid and being a little exaggerative. Oh. Yeah, maybe you're right. Gone. Gone. Mm-hmm. I just called a friend from whom she had no idea who I was. Well, but he says, I regret it was necessary. She knew too much about you. She knew everything about me. You had no right to. So I don't know. Question me. You knew the sacrifices that had to be made. This whole thing just is weird. I think maybe the professor mind wiped anybody who knew about the mutant powers of these characters. And I... Vaguely recall from either that thing we just talked about or those earlier uh, X-Men Origins, which we covered years ago, uh, Beast was not open to his parents. I don't think Iceman was open to his parents. Cyclops doesn't have parents. So I'm going to guess that he sort of came out to his one true friend, this girl of like, I can do things other people can't do. And it's weird. And so when he joined the X-Men, the professor is like, ooh, better fix that. Yeah, by mind wiping her knowing him which is weird it was just mind right. wipes that he has powers like she doesn't even know who he is maybe the powers were so intertwined with their relationship that the professor found it too difficult actually the professor is just painted as a as a jerk in this issue yeah no he's like yelling at he's angry looking with a giant uh mental head yeah so maybe this is just in a phase where the professor uh didn't he didn't want to spend the time to figure out how to selectively mind wipe. So he's just like, nah, she doesn't know you deal with it. <laughs> You're out. Uh, we cut to the present where beast is recording his early days on to a log of on ship. Apparently all of X factor is required to, or ship has heavily encouraged all of them to record their daily logs. And everybody else already has beast is the last one. And Beast gets to this section about Jennifer, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, he's procrastinating and finding other things to think about and do. There's an interlude where, I don't know, somebody's dead. 
This is probably what the whole story is going to be about. But somewhere in Brussels, Belgium, there's a police chief finds a dead body and says, like, there's a whole thing happening about mutants coming soon. So we need to get this all taken care of. We don't want something like this happening in the next couple of days. Right. Uh, in less than 24 hours, the city is playing host to the first world symposium on mutant research. I will not be embarrassed, but in the global media by the presence of a rampaging serial killer stalking our streets. Right. Back in New York below ship, apparently the mail is delivered by a raft, which, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is how it would work, but whatever. If okay, let's say it does work this way, uh-huh. and uh, the mail will deliver this way. You think at least X Factor would be like, "Oh man, this is really tough for the mailman. We should get a PO box, right?" So that they don't have to do this. Or, and we've seen Ship do this before. Have Ship generate a little shuttle to let the mail person deliver the mail in. Uh, uh, style there and not have to paddle a round rubber raft many miles it looks like by the way from manhattan yeah. to the ship but anyways uh she's just, she's down there but you know it's i think it's supposed to be silly and funny and whatever it, it's pretty ridiculous uh she's down there being attacked yeah so a like some sort of person appears and attacks and beast gets warned and sent down to help out and beast takes the mask off of this robotic uh being and it's like beast as cable or something this is drawn by rob liefeld by the way oh it is okay that makes a lot of sense um it's like a so i don't know if this is the first appearance of gray beast but this is, I don't know if this is supposed to be Beast. I don't know who that is. I don't know if this is, I don't know what this is that we're looking at. He unmasked a creature. It, it's a furry, gray person with cable eyes. It looks like Beast. It looks like yes, looks Cable like Beast. Beast. But I don't know if it's supposed to look like Cable Beast or if that's just because Rob Liefeld has limited visual uh, facial abilities. I don't know. Uh, there's a weird transition though here where he, you know, the ship's like, it's going to explode. You got to get out of there. And he's like, in a second, I want to take a look at it, pulls the mask off. And he's like, oh, my stars and cars. Cause it looks like a cable beast, as you mentioned. And then on the next page, something off panel blows off, blows up and uh beast swims back to the raft. Um, but I feel like uh, I can't tell where anybody is, <laughs> is what I'm trying to get at. The male, Lady thinks to herself, I wonder if Willie Lumpkin has days like this, which is... Callback. Cute. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently, Beast's towel has come off of him, so he's naked. Uh, so he uses the male woman's satchel to cover himself. Which we never see. No. <laughs> it would be a funny visual. But we, I guess we just sort of get... I, we're supposed to imagine it. The dialogue doesn't even need to be there because of how everything's drawn. He's just kind of reaching up to like pull himself into the raft. The yeah. satchel just happens to be there, which is fine. He pulls himself up. We get a distant view, a couple close-ups. We never see him naked. We're wearing this bag. So it's like that dialogue was just kind of added there for some reason. I don't know why. But there was one letter because apparently the ship, which makes sense, is the last on the route. And uh, he opens up the letter. 
and has an empty word balloon, which I guess is on purpose. Mr. Beast, Mr. Beast, what's the matter? And the ship says, well, that shut him up anyways. And then we cut back to Brussels uh, where it turns out that the our agent was unable to intercept the message to Dr. McCoy. No matter, it will only means that Dr. McCoy will come all the way to Belgium to die. <laughs> yeah, and this guy in silhouette has the biggest, craziest, maniacal, laughing smile ever. Looks like fish man. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So this was written by Scott Lobdell and penciled by Rob Liefeld and Jay Lee. Rob Liefeld? Yeah. Or Liefeld. Liefeld. Okay. You said Liefeld. I said Liefeld. You said Liefeld. Yeah, whatever. You'll hear it on playback. Sure, sure. <laughs> and that's it. That's all, that's all she wrote on those issues. Did I ever tell you that, that I was watching that uh, somebody did a somebody did a YouTube about Rob Liefeld? I think I've seen it. And uh, the funniest line is it is when Todd McFarlane and uh, Rob Liefeld were feuding, and Todd McFarlane says, "Everything you need to know about uh, Rob is in his name. He robs, he lies, and then he failed." Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great line. I've, I've probably said it before, and I'll probably forget that I said it and say it again. But no, I I've seen that video, and I just I'm just imagining that one night. Todd McFarlane's laying in bed. He's like, ooh, I'm so mad at Rob Liefeld. Yeah, he's such a liar. And he, he's taking all my... Oh, he robs people. And uh, yeah, yeah, he failed. Yeah. I'm thinking there was like many days to come up with that. Uh, and I feel like in that video, he says it in three different interviews. And I'm like, okay, that's just his go-to now. He, he cleverly came up with this. It's a very good line. And so... I'm going to repeat it whenever I get the chance. <laughs> um, and I think the rest of that video, yeah, they definitely had their feud. They had a bunch of issues, but I think they reconciled after yeah, a while. They're, they're buddies again. Yeah. There's a weird uh, Comic-Con interview where it feels like Rob Liefeld's super happy to be there and Todd McFarlane's kind of just there. Yeah. And like a completely emotionless and just like Rob Liefeld is like, yeah, remember all the old days? It was, oh, it was so great. It was a good time. And, Time of Berlin's it. Yep. 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 I remember that. <laughs> yep. Good. Good stuff. Good times. So uh, that's everything, right? Yeah. Um, you got you got anything else, yeah. Adam? No. No. Neither do I. Tune in next week for another episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you want to get a hold of us and uh, tell us, you know, tell us what you think, um, do so by. Contacting us, uh, X-Men at, or uh, X, jeez, well, how do I even do this? www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash dangerroompodcast. Um, you can go out to X, and this is the last time I'm going to say it, Adam, because I'm never going to say it again, but X is formally known as Twitter, but I'm not going to say that formally known as Twitter, because every time I read a news article and somebody says, so-and-so tweeted on X, the platform formally known as Twitter, I'm like, shouldn't we just know that? Just say Twitter. If I have to say formally known as, then the branding is broken. Just say Twitter. No, I'm going to say X. It's just X. And if people don't know what it is, that's fine. <laughs> so you it, can X us on X at Danger Room Go. Or are they, are they, are they, are they, are they not tweets anymore? They're, they're X's? 
as far as I'm concerned. So you X on X? As far as I'm concerned. Now, Adam, I'm no authority on X, but that's what I'm going to go with, is that you X on X. Didn't somebody say that he previously wanted to rename PayPal as X or something? I don't know. Probably. And and the stakeholders are like, no. <sighs> it's stupid. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you you can email us. That never changes. Dangerroom at uh, xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes, like, subscribe, leave feedback, all that good stuff, or really wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Go out to patreon.com slash dangerroom. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of additional content up there. If you want to know what's happening in the alternate reality that is X-Men Forever, which would have continued after Jim Lee's and Chris Claremont's X-Men number three, you can do so. Yeah. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And that's it, Adam. I got nothing else. Do you? For a dollar. For Well, yes. That's, that's You have to give us at least a dollar for that super interesting extra content. Uh, there's even, uh, if you want to go back in the archives, there's some old stuff where we cover uh, the the modern Jonathan Hickman X-Men. Yes, which may, we may or may not ever get back to, but we might. I don't know. I was thinking about there There was a recent thing that dropped that I read and I thought was interesting. And I thought this this will allow us to skip most of the content and just be up to date. And it's a cute thing or not cute, but it's a it's a thing that like. Oh, wow, this is a huge direction shift. Is that that Marvel Unlimited scrolling thing? Yes. Okay. I started looking at that. Uh, Which I got to believe is a physical comic as well, but I think they released it at the same time as the physical comic comic in Marvel Unlimited as a scrolling comic. Yeah, is there a name for those scrolling comics? Uh, No. (laughs) Okay. They're called X's. Everything's just called X now. <laughs> yes, it's all it's all X. Um, yeah. Well, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the X is closed. <laughs> you got me.